You're listening to the Fervent Church Podcast, a church in the Austin area who exists so that people may know Jesus. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged, challenged, and strengthened in your relationship with Jesus today. For more teachings, information, or to support our ministry, please visit fervent.church. We pray you're blessed by the message. Father God, we thank you again that we can come here and meet online. We pray that many more would join us as we're meeting, God. We pray that people would have the courage to share this stream, and Lord, not to be ashamed of the gospel or ashamed of a Bible study, Lord, but that they would just be encouraged and look at this thing as with perspective of the great opportunity to share your word so that people would know you, God. So we pray that you would just pour out your Holy Spirit, God. We believe that you're here. We believe that you're working. We believe that you want to impart something to us and teach us, God. So speak to your church tonight. We are listening. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. And we said, amen. Amen. So 2 Peter chapter 1 is where we're going to be tonight. I am reading from the ESV version Um, Not that that really matters, um, but just if you're like, hey, what version are you reading from? That's not exactly how mine goes. Um, I'm reading from the ESV. It's just what I, it's a matter of preference, I guess, if you want to put it that way. But tonight's message title is going to be um, Supplemental. Supplemental is my message title tonight. And I just want to start out by talking about supplements. Uh, Show of hands, if you guys have ever been to the gym, Uh, maybe you've been one of those And when I say show of hands, throw up an emoji or say I have if you don't know how to use emojis. Um, But if you've ever been to the gym, and what I mean by the gym, um, LA Fitness, Platinum Fitness, Gold's Gym, um, 24 Fitness or Anytime Fitness, those types of things. Uh, If you've ever been to any of those gyms, just go ahead and shoot your hand up there. Again, in the chat there, I just want to see maybe you guys are part of the the January thing, you know, at one point in life where it's like, yes, I'm going to get my life better. Uh, I'm going to get the strongest, the fittest I've ever been. I'm going to get in shape, all those things. Uh, And you have this great uh, perspective of what you hope life will look like in a couple months, that you're going to look great, that you're going to have some chiseled abs by the summertime. You're going to have some great biceps. Things are going to be great. Well, see, and I can see the hands going up there. So you guys have been to the gym. And so if you've been to the gym, you know what I'm about to go to is supplements. If you ever step into the gym, they usually have some type of smoothie shop. They have some type of um, little bar, not a bar, like alcoholic bar, but just like a place that you can go get some smoothies, get your protein shakes and things of that nature. And actually one guy that I wish, I don't know if he's on here, Daryl, if you're on here, let me know, um, shoot a hand up. But uh, one of our teammates, Daryl, uh, he's a, a gym fanatic, if I could say that. I don't know if he appreciates that or not. But if you look at this guy, he works out. He's strong. He's one of those dudes that could probably lift 500 pounds um, easily. Like, hey, that's my warm-up set, 500 pounds deadlift, 500-pound squat. You just look at this guy, he's, he's built. But if he talked to you about a fitness plan, hey, you want to get fit? Awesome. Great. I know how to do it. It's going to take some hard work. You're going to have to show up, maybe some early mornings, maybe some late nights. We're going to be in the gym. You need to commit to it. But then on top of that, he's going to recommend some, help me if you know, help me if you know, he's going to recommend some supplements. All right. And supplements are just like vitamins, right? It's like vitamins. You don't necessarily need to take a multivitamin every single day. 
um, to live and sustain. As long as you're eating food, you're drinking water, things of that nature, you're going to get those nutrients that you need. Vitamins are going to help you actually achieve a little bit more than you would um, on your own. So you go to the gym, they sell you this package. They're like, hey, yeah, we're going to get you a personal trainer. You're going to have this full access to the gym. Everything is going to be great. But also, if you really want to get fit, if you really want to get in the best shape of your life, we recommend that you buy this protein powder, right? We recommend that you get this creatine supplement. We recommend that you get these um, other types of crazy junk that they sell on there, right? Um, you got to get this pre-workout, your uh, BCAAs, right? Your amino acids and things of that nature. But really what they're saying is like you need to get these supplements um, so that it will help you and enhance everything that you're doing. You're going to go do a set of five by five bench press or squats. That's great. And you're going to see results over that in time. But if you're doing that already, it's almost like, why wouldn't you just drink a protein shake afterwards? Because it's going to benefit you more. You're going to see more bang for your buck, if you will. All right. So tonight's message title is supplemental. And really what I think that Peter's going to get into is he's going to get into some supplements that we can supplement our faith with. But on the flip side, if we don't supplement our faith with these things, we'll see results. Don't get me wrong. But we're not going to see as much as we could. And let me just ask a question tonight. If you knew what you could do to your faith to get stronger, to be more effective, to be a better witness, to see more fruit and more people just interested in Jesus Christ, wouldn't you be like, yes, tell me what to do? I mean, maybe it would be challenging and be hard to actually go and do it, right? But if I was like, hey, if I could tell you seven or eight things right now that if you did these things and applied them to your life today and applied them to your faith, you will see more results with this than you would on your own, just believing that Jesus is real, but not really adding these supplements, right? Wouldn't you want to know what I have to offer? Well, Peter writes these down here. And so again, this is a message I'm calling supplemental. It starts off 2 Peter chapter 1, for those of you joining in. And so it says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. I want to pause there for a second. Last week, we ended our Easter message talking about Peter. Talking about Peter, what, what happened with Peter um, in that last chapter, right? We saw Jesus, he died Good Friday, right, on the cross. It's only good because it paid for our sins, but it wasn't good or pleasant for Jesus, right? And then we had Silent Saturday, right? The disciples probably regretting everything that they'd done. They're just um, in remorse, right? Like, what are we going to do? We gave our whole life and being to this guy who said he was the savior of the world. And then he died on a cross. And now what do we do? Where do we go? And then Sunday, we see the stone is rolled away. Our savior, Jesus Christ, is alive. He is risen. And then he comes back. And in one account, I believe it's in Mark, it says, Jesus says to Mary, says, go get the disciples and Peter. Go get the disciples and Peter. What's up with that? Well, I believe what's up with that is that Jesus knew that Peter had quit. In John chapter 21, which we studied last week, Peter went fishing, right? Jesus, uh, or first off, Peter denied Jesus in his time of need, right? Three times, not just once, but three times as Jesus was getting beaten, as he was being questioned, as he was going to the cross, three times he denied him, and then Jesus died. So just imagine that happening, right? 
in your life, if you're Peter, like you just denied the Lord. Many of us, we deny the Lord every single day and just our actions and the things that we do and our thoughts, right? But imagine denying him and actually physically seeing him die right after that. And it's like, I never got the chance to say, oh, sorry. And so I think Peter, man, he's just like, I blew it. I'm not a disciple anymore. I was at one point, I was unashamed. I was willing to do anything, but man, I, I didn't know that that amount of flesh was in me. And I think that's the case sometimes, like, Pride comes before the fall because we don't know how deceitful and wicked our hearts are truly. But so Peter, I believe he just quits. I'm not a disciple anymore. John chapter 21, we see it says that Peter went fishing. And we see him go fishing and we see the rest of the disciples follow him. And I said something last week is that leaders will, will, leaders will lead wherever they're at. Whether they're leading people away from Jesus or leading people to Jesus, a leader will lead regardless. You're made to lead. God has made you to lead in some capacity, whether it's to lead with your family, your kids, your co-workers, right? Whether it's to lead in a church capacity, lead worship, lead um, in teaching as I'm doing right now. It's like God has created you to be a leader. But the question is, where are you leading them to? So Peter is leading people away from the Lord. He's going back fishing. Well, Jesus comes on the scene and then he says to them, hey, children, have you caught anything, right? It's like almost like, hey, you guys have gone out to go fishing. You've gone back to your old ways, back to your old life. How is that working out for you, Peter? How is that working out? It's not that Jesus wanted in on it. He doesn't need a, a secret in on your sin. Like, oh, I didn't know that you were angry all the time. Oh, I didn't know that you were doing these things, right? It's like Jesus knows. He just asked the question because he wants you to realize what you're doing. And so he asks, hey, how's that working out, guys? And they're like, no, we haven't caught anything. Then they catch everything because Jesus says, throw your net on the other side of the boat. They bring in all this fish, right? They can't even hardly haul it in. Peter brings it in. Um, and then he's like, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. And so then the Lord has this conversation with Peter. And he says to him, says, Peter, do you love me? Do you agape me? Like, do you all out unconditionally love me? And then Peter says to him, and help me if you know, what does Peter say? Yes, Lord. You know that I, what's the word? Love you, but what's that word for love? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And the word for, for that love, and again, I think I have a 30 second delay, so it's hard to ask questions and get a response, but I hope that you're responding. But the word there would be phileo. So Jesus says, do you agape me? Do you just all out unconditionally love me, ride or die together, right? You said that the other day. And now Peter's like, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. That means like, hey, you know that I have this brotherly love, this mutual um, respect. You know that I have this, what do you call it? Um, like, I care about you, but he's like, I don't know that I can say that I agape, agape you anymore. And I think that that's just the case. Peter's probably just being real with himself. Like, I wish I could say that I agape you. I think that I do, and I thought that I did, but I don't know anymore. And I think, isn't that the case sometimes with us? We're like, Jesus is like, do you love me? Do you want to follow me? And we're kind of like, yeah, I do, but man, I don't know that I can't. We doubt ourselves, but then the thing I love about it is we doubt ourselves and our ability to love Jesus in return. And then Jesus says to Peter, he says, well, then feed my sheep. He says, feed my sheep. Then he goes on, he says it again. He says, feed my lambs. And so in other words, what he says is like, Peter, stop moping around. Stop getting all, all butthurt and sad about everything. It's like, I died for your sin. Your rejection of me, I actually died for that and took that on the cross. It's okay. It's paid for. It's dealt with. Um, and so he's like, get back to work. 
And I love that about Jesus. And what I love from last week is that we ended and Jesus said to Peter, follow me, follow me. And one thing I, I wish I would have said last week in our teaching, but I forgot to, is that Jesus' last words, at least some of the last words to Jesus, or to Peter, sorry, from Jesus, was follow me. But let me ask you the question, what were the first words to Peter from Jesus? Come on, guys, this is so good. I mean, it's so easy. It's just, I'm lobbing it up. This soft toss uh, baseball right now, cranking it out of the park. Right? Jesus' last words to Peter was, follow me. But his first words to Peter, before the resurrection happened, before anything magnificent happened, before Peter even established himself as a leader, Jesus' words to him was, hey, you guys, fishermen, come follow me. Come follow me. Man, how crazy is that? I love it. It's like the first words to Peter before he's done anything. Right? He's a baby Christian, we could say. Follow me. He goes, he lives his life, he has his pridefulness, and then he falls. He just, he, uh, um, what do you call it? He uh, um, rejects Jesus. I don't know what the word is right now. I'm having one of those just moments. Um, but anyways, has his fall down and rejects Jesus in his time of need. And then Jesus dies on the cross. And then it's like it comes back all the way around. G or Peter, do you even love me a little bit? Peter's like, yeah, I kind of do. And he's like, follow me. Follow me. It, he's, he's like, the word is the same. It doesn't matter if you were good or bad or you messed up and blew it. Jesus' word to you today, my friend, is the same that it was when the first day that he came in and spoke into your life. That first moment in church where you're like, God is real. He's wrecking me right now. I feel the Holy Spirit in my heart. Man, oh man, I don't know what this feeling is. And then the pastor's like, hey, if you want to give your life to the Lord today, I want you to shoot up your hand. I want you to come down to the altar so that we can pray for you, right? And you did that because you heard that still, small voice of God, right? It's like that still, small voice of God when he's saying, hey, come to me, follow me, is the same today as it was then. It's the same after you messed up and blown it a hundred times as it was before you ever did anything. Jesus loves you and it's unconditional. It's agape. So anyways, Peter blew it. But then Jesus says, get up. Stop messing around. Stop, stop moping around, Peter. Feed my sheep. Get back to work. Follow me, right? And so he gets on this thing. And then I love what we have here. 2 Peter chapter 1. This is now a letter from Peter. The second one, right? The second letter from Peter after all this stuff has happened. And so we see this revived, um, this recharged um, person for Jesus. I don't know what to say. It's like he, he's been healed He's been uh, forgiven, just all those things. And so then he says, Simon Peter. And I love that he says it. Simon Peter. It's like, I want you to know, like, I'm the dude who screwed up and blew it. I'm the one, I saw someone right in there that betrayed Jesus. He, but he didn't necessarily betray Jesus in the sense that uh, Judas did. Um, but he definitely denied Jesus. There we go, um, is what happened there, right? So he's like, yep, yeah, I'm that guy. I'm Simon. I'm the one that Jesus came back to. And he's like, Simon, do you even love me? And I was like, yeah, kind of. And I know it sucks that I got to write that down. But Peter's like, hey, that's me. But at the same time, he's like, Simon Peter. And he's like, I'm also Peter. I'm the one who's been restored by the Lord. I've seen the Lord. I've seen his love. I've seen his mercy and grace. Oh my goodness, have I seen it. Like he died on the cross, came back to life, and he came to talk to me. And he said, feed my sheep. And he's like, man, 
So I'm, the, I'm both. I'm the guy who was stupid and messed up, and I messed up all, all kinds of different times, but I'm also the guy who Jesus said, follow me. So he's like Simon Peter, and he says a servant, first off. He says a servant, and the word there is doulos, but it's a bond servant. Really what it is, is it's a slave. I'm a slave, and he says I'm a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he says I'm this doulos, this slave, bond servant of Jesus. And the idea of bond servant is like, they could go if they want to, and they could do whatever they want, right? They could be free, um, and they could serve any different person, master, thing that they want to. But the idea here with, uh, with a servant of God, a bond servant of God, a doulos here, is that they have subjected themselves, and they say, no, I don't want to go. I know I could go anywhere, but I'm a slave to you, and not a slave in a bad sense that I'm going to be uh, mistreated by you, but in the sense that I love you so much that I got nowhere better to go. And so they're like, hey, I'm a slave to you. But then he also says, but I'm also an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle is sent one. So we see this humbleness where he's like, I'm this servant of God. Just whatever you want to do, God, here I am. Use me. And we should all have that attitude. But then he's also like, but I'm also the sent one of Jesus. And he's like, he has that confidence where it's like, I know Jesus is real. I know he's called me. I know he sent me to you. Um, and so he's like, listen up. I got a, a message to deliver to you. It goes on, he says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And let's just pause there because, man, it's a packed statement. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I just want to say for a second is that the same faith that you and I have, the same faith, the same mustard seed of faith, if we have that, right? Jesus says, if you have a mustard seed sized faith that you can move mountains. So maybe we don't have mustard seeds, a mustard seed sized faith all the time. But the same faith that you and I have in Jesus Christ is the same faith that Peter had in Jesus Christ. And so he says, to those of you who have obtained this faith, so to those of you who have put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to those of you who have heard his call and you said, yes, Lord, I do want to follow you. He says, um, to those who have obtained this faith, and he, I love what he says, um, obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Just take it into context. Peter's writing this, and we know some of the amazing things that Peter has um, witnessed, right? First off, just him being restored um, by the Lord to ministry, right? But then also like Peter walked on water, right? Jesus was walking on water. There's a storm going on. And then uh, Peter says, Lord, if it is you, call me out onto the waves and says, come out to the waves. And then Peter is walking on water, right? That's Peter walking on water. Peter was part of the disciples who were feeding the 5,000, right? Jesus says, you guys give them something to eat. They take all this bread and fish and then all of a sudden it multiplies into more than they had um, in the first place when it's all over. And so, and then 5,000 plus people are fed. And so uh, Peter is saying, you got the same faith in you uh, that I have in me. Isn't that amazing just to take in for a second? Like you got the same faith. We, and I said this last week, we have the Holy Spirit of God residing in us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and I. And so if we take that in, we're like the same faith that Peter had is the same faith that we are taking part in here today. 
2000 something years later, right? And with COVID-19 going on, but man, what a time to have faith right now. When we see the world going crazy, when we see all this uncertainty and jobs and just different things, places closing down, it's like, what a time to have faith. And I think Peter might even be um, encouraged or challenged by our faith where he's like, how could you have so much faith in a time of so much chaos and a pandemic worldwide, right? And so Peter's like, you got the same faith. You and I, like, I don't got anything more than you. You don't got anything more than me. We're on the same level. And man, that's encouraging to me. It's just like exciting. Like you got something special. Peter, I don't think he would say, hey, I'm better than you. He's like, we're the same. You're just selling yourself out. You're just selling yourself short um, of all that you could achieve. That's good, huh? <laughs> don't sell yourself short. We're about to get into this. Uh, verse 2, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, check it out, guys. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Let's break it down for a second. He says his divine power, Jesus Christ, God Almighty, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, his divine power has granted to us, you and me, Peter back then, every single person who's ever lived past and every person that will ever live in the future. He says his divine power, God's power has been granted to us, right? And the thing about a grant is like, hey, here it is. Uh, it's a gift, we could say is another word. It's like, hey, here's this. It's been granted to us, and he's granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Life and godliness. Say that in the chat, guys. Life and godliness. You need to know this tonight, guys, that God has provided, God has gifted, God has granted to you and me all things that pertain to life that being water, food, shelter, clothing, right? The things, the necessities that we need. He has pertained those things, or granted those things to us for life. But then he's also granted to us all things that we need for godliness. All things for godliness. It's amazing. I think sometimes we sell ourselves short, like I said, and we think, oh man, I can't never amount to a life like Peter. But then if we look at Peter's life, it's like, well, he denied Jesus. I mean, Maybe we can uh, amount to a life like Peter, but man, just knowing like, hey, like Peter did amazing things, but then just looking at it like, God wants to do amazing things just like that in your life. And so he wants to do godly, um, a life of godliness in your life. The things that you think that are untangible, unachievable, and they are on your own um, merit, your own doing. You do need to realize that, but he's saying, God is granting to you like, hey, I want to do miracles in you and through you. I want to impart life through you to your friends, to your family, to your coworkers, to people on Facebook Live, to people throughout the internet. Like I want people to know me through you and have that resurrection power, that Holy Spirit power in you or in them. And so I just want to break it down again real quick. He says he has granted to us all things that pertain to life. And so I just want to note that you have what you need. It might not be what you want, but you have what you need. And we need to praise God for that. It's like, hey, well, I do have running water. Uh, I might not have all the, the uh, filtered bottled water from Costco that I want because they might have been out, right? But I do have running water. I can take a shower, right? Uh, I do have clothes on. Uh, I do have a house to sit under the roof here. We got food um, in the fridge there. And so I do got stuff to be thankful for. So, so don't 
Don't, um, don't mope around thinking, man, everything's terrible and bad. Just look at your life. God has sustained you this far. You have everything that you need for life. And he is, a, a, he is trying to give you everything that you need for godliness. And we're going to get into that tonight. So he says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And this is how you achieve these. He says, through the knowledge of him, Jesus, who called us to his own glory and excellence. And so that's the key right there. You want everything for life and godliness, you need to know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you're not going to know life. You're going to sell out for just a life that is just... It's going to fall short of everything that God wants to do in your life. Um, so if you don't know Jesus, you're going to be sold for Satan's lie that he's going to give you all this smoke and mirrors. And there is pleasure and treasure in sin and the things that Satan's going to try to sell you. But it's not true life, guys. Sin is not true life. It's just a cheap imitation. And so he says, hey, I want to give you life and I want to give you godliness through knowing Jesus, through knowing um, God's son. And so he, he says, um, verse 4, or so he says, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Man, this is good, guys. He says, so you can get life and godliness through knowing Jesus, right? That's amazing. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, we should be praising God in the comments. Some of you guys are bright and stuff. Awesome. Keep it coming, man. Let's get give glory to God because this word is good. And so he says, you can have life and godliness through knowing Jesus. And then he says, through knowing Jesus, you can have these very great promises. And so to break it down, and I don't have time to go over all of it, but go look at scripture. Like scripture says, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a promise, guys. So he's saying like, hey, if you believe in my son, you get this promise with it, right? It's like this sweet deal. I said it last week, You get, or maybe the week before, you get this 401k um, for eternity. And it's not this 401k like the world gives. It's this John 3, 16. Whoever believes will have everlasting life. Man, it's great. It's like, so we'll have those types of promises that we can hold on to. And he says, so that through those promises, you'll become partakers of the divine nature. In other words, saying of the eternal life, of the abundant life. Jesus said, it's like, I didn't come to, to steal. I didn't come to, um, to condemn, but I came to save. And he says, I came to bring life and life abundantly. And so I really believe that wholeheartedly. It's like he wants to bring life and life abundantly. But I also believe that that fullness of life will not be um, achieved through us here on earth, um, but it will actually be achieved and completed in heaven when we are with him. And so he's like, you're going to be a part of the divine uh, nature, the spiritual beings, if you will. And he says, having after that, it's like having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And it's like, that's the goal. We want to be made pure. We want to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sanctified. Sanctified is a process. It's not perfection all of a sudden. We don't just say, hey, Lord, I believe in you. And all of a sudden, boom, we're clean, white as snow, and we'll never fall or sin again. Yes, our sins are clean and forgiven, but man, we're still going to struggle throughout it. So it's this, this process of sanctification, a little better every day. Um, is what I've heard it said before. And so, but when we actually get to heaven, when we get there, part of the divine nature, there's no more sin. There's no more tears. There's no more sorrow. Um, it's going to be great. So then verse five, guys, this is going to get uh, good here. Verse five, it says, for this very reason, and I know I don't need to recap it, but he's like, since 
you have this faith of equal standing. Since God has granted to you life and godliness through knowing Jesus, and through knowing Jesus, you get all these great promises, and through all this, through knowing Jesus and his promises, you're going to get eternal, everlasting life, and no more sin, no more sorrow, no more pain. He says, because of this, because you have all of this, like, because it's there for the taking, like, it, that's part of the deal, if you will. He says, for this very reason, he says, say it with me in the chat if you guys got it on there. He says, make every effort. Type that in, guys. Make every effort. Make every effort. He says, because of this, because we have this faith in Jesus, make every effort. And he goes on, he says, to supplement your faith. Guys, come on. This is, this is fundamental. This is like elementary school. Like, it's not hard to understand, but it's like one of those things where like, if we can get it, it will change the rest of our life. Right, if we can just understand addition and subtraction, like in elementary school, right, it will change and carry on through the rest of our life. If we can understand this, guys, it will change our faith. Make every effort, he says, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith because you can, because you have this ability. It's like, again, if we go to the gym and someone's like, hey, yeah, you can do these five by five workouts and you can hit chest and um, squats and back and deadlifts and push press and whatever else you want. Um, you could do that all day, but they're like, hey, if you really want to get the most potential out of it, supplement your workouts with some protein shakes. Supplement your workouts with eating a little bit healthier, right? And it's like, why wouldn't you try to make the most of the work that you're doing? And so he's saying, like, if you're going to be a Christian, make every effort to supplement your faith. Go all out. And it's not this thing where it's like you have to do it or else. It's like this, man, we have this great opportunity and privilege. Why wouldn't we do it? Why wouldn't we do it? Um, so make every effort to supplement your faith. And so then he goes on into this list. And this is where it gets real practical, guys. Real practical. And I even love the order of it. It says make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Virtue. Some of your guys' translations might say something different, but it's the same idea. This idea of virtue is this idea of moral excellence or this moral knowledge where it's like, yes, I want to be good and I want to do good. And I think a lot of the world has that mentality. Like they have that virtuous mind where they're like, yes, I'm a good person, right? Uh, I mean, give me a thumbs up if you've ever heard someone say that before. Like, well, I just believe that I'm a good person and that if God is real, um, that I'm just going to get to heaven, right? And people just think those things. If I just do good deeds and think good things, I'm going to get to heaven. I've heard it said before. It blew my mind one time when, like 10 years ago at this restaurant I worked, with, worked at, someone actually said that to me and said, um, I just believe, I don't believe in God, but if he's real, I believe I'm a good person and that, I will, uh, that I'll get to heaven if, if there is a heaven. Uh, and I was like, I can't believe that you actually believe that right now. I've heard that my whole life um, from pastors and different things. But man, seeing it in person was, was breathtaking, I suppose. But So a lot of people have this idea of virtue. We're like, yes, I want to be a good person. I want to do good things. Um, I want to be a good, positive influence on the world. I want to make an impact on culture, things of that nature, right? So, But, but virtue alone isn't going to get you very far. Um, Good intentions don't really mean anything without actually good actions. Good intentions are just intentions. Like, well, I meant to be there. And it's like, well, that's nice, but you weren't there. You see what I'm saying? Um, talk is cheap um, without actions behind it. So he says, 
Make every effort to supplement your faith, which we have. It's the belief in Jesus, right? It's like going to the gym. That's just step one. You just got to get in the gym, right? So he's like, hey, you got faith. You believe in Jesus. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You're going to be saved. It's going to be good. But he's like, but because you can do more and you have more potential, make every effort to supplement it with virtue, with, with this moral excellence. And so then he goes on though. So Maybe some of us are like, well, yeah, I do want to be a good person, but I don't know what I want to do, and I don't know what that really means. Well, look at what's next. He says, in virtue, supplement with knowledge, with knowledge, right? We're like, well, well I don't know what I want to um, supplement that with. I don't know what virtue really means. I don't know how to really be a good person or, or what that even looks like. Well, enlighten yourself, right? Not to enlighten yourself and make up your own ideas. I don't mean that um, and reach this state of enlightenment. No, it's not like that, but like, knowledge and what he's talking about here is like knowing Jesus like how are we doing with supplementing our faith right with knowledge like we have this idea of like yeah I want to be a good Christian I want to love each other and love others as God loves me I want to love God too and we know those things but then it's like we need to actually know no knowledge know Jesus we need to know what he says he says I mean abundance I already said them to love the Lord your God and to love others as yourself or as your your neighbors as yourself those are the two greatest commandments but it's like if you don't dive into scripture or go to a bible study once in a while you might not know those um those commandments right so we're like well I want to be a good person but I don't know what that means and if we just neglect knowledge of the word we'll never know so he's like add to your faith knowledge know the word guys it's right there right in my hand if you don't have a bible message me guys i'm serious message me and i will send you a bible uh, it might not be the greatest bible ever but it's a bible and you need to have a bible or download you version bible on your um on your phone or your ipad or whatever you might have um, it's a free bible app i love it you can highlight it you can take notes you can read different types of uh, studies on it or Blue Letter Bible, and you can find commentaries, man. The, just get a Bible. You need it, because you need to know it. You need to know it if you want to be a strong Christian. You can be a Christian and just kind of skate by and get into the gates of heaven just barely, right? But it's like, why wouldn't we want to be a strong Christian and have just like that confidence when we come before the Lord and just say, God, here it is. Here's my crowns. Have them. I, and I wanted to bring everything to you because I had this great opportunity that you afforded me through knowing you and through your death and through your sacrifice. And I just wanted to make every effort so that I could bring these things to you. And so, and I knew that you, I mean, if you look at scripture, I knew that you were a, a, a tough master reaping where you didn't sow, right? Jesus gives this analogy. And so he's like, you should at least invest it with the banker. But he's like, but you just went and buried your talent and uh, you just brought back what I gave you. Jesus wants to see more. He is planting a seed. He expects fruit, guys. So add knowledge. It's not hard. Just start reading. Start praying. God, give me wisdom to understand what this says. And he will give you your holy, his Holy Spirit to you. And his Holy Spirit will uh, illuminate the scripture because it's his word. And he's going to help you understand what he means. Okay. And so add virtue, add knowledge. And then he says, and then add to the supplements, knowledge with self-control. So we look at different um, passages. It says to, um, what can we say? When Jesus says to not be angry, because to be angry is the same, or, or to hate is the same as murder in your heart. If you hate your brother, it's the same as if you've murdered him, right? So then we could say, well, okay, God says to not hate, essentially is what we can pull from that text, right? Um, and so 
It's like, okay, I have this virtue, this moral excellence that I want to be a good person. I want to do good. I want to be a good Christian. I want to make a good impact on the world. I want my kids to have a good role model to look at. All right, so then I'm going to start reading the scripture and then, oh man, I came across the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus says that if I hate someone, it's the same as to murder them. And now that's something he's saying, well, don't hate. Don't be walking in this heart of hate and actually to repent of that, that's not good. Well, so now he's like, supplement what you know with self-control. Now that you know that you shouldn't be hating people, actually start to implement some self-control and stop hating, right? It's like, hey, if you got that urge where you're like, hey, I struggle with... Um, alcoholism right it's like like now that you know that you shouldn't be drunk on wine but you should be filled with the holy spirit because you would know that if you read scripture right it's like now add some self-control to it don't get drunk don't get drunk right just like that it's like so add some self-control and so that's the next step it's like if you want to get stronger and you can see the progression here and then the, i love the next one and this one's probably i mean it's not the best one but i think it's the one where we're going to see the most fruit, the most growth, the most maturity in our walk, really. And he says to supplement self-control with steadfastness. Or maybe your, your uh, version says perseverance. To supplement your self-control with steadfastness. So see what he's saying here. He's like, okay, I have this idea of moral excellence. I want to be a good person. I want to be a good Christian. Well, I'm going to look to the Bible. I'm going to supplement my virtue with knowledge. I'm going to start to know Jesus. And he says, don't be drunk on wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, well now I'm going to implement and supplement self-control and I'm not going to get drunk on wine, but I'm actually going to pray that God will give me the Holy Spirit. And then he's like, now add perseverance. You see, it takes it to a whole nother level. He's like, don't just say no once, right? It's like, I used to be a part, I used to be a, a part of the party scene, right? I used to get drunk and high and I made a lot of bad decisions in my life, guys. But I, I was the type of guy um, and I'll admit this, I know my mom's even watching here, but like there's times when I was, I mean, I was an addict. I'll just be blunt with you. All right. My mom would be like, well, just stop, stop doing this. And she, she would uh, su suggest some rehabs and things of that nature. And I'm like, mom, I don't need any of that. I don't need any of that. I can stop on my own. She's like, well, then do it. Right. And so I would go a day and I wouldn't get high. I wouldn't get drunk. You know, I go through some different withdrawals and anger issues of that sort. And those were heightened. But then I'd get through the day just so I could tell my mom, said, see, see, mom, I can do it. See, I do have self-control. But then the thing was, I didn't have perseverance and I didn't care about perseverance because the next day I'm like, see, I have self-control. I told you so. And then I'd go right back to it. You see how that just sets me up for failure? Like what Peter is saying is don't just do it once and just say, okay, see, I do have self-control and the ability to say no. He says, persevere. Be steadfast. Keep going. Keep saying no. Because the thing about temptation is and sin, it's like a bus. It just keeps coming back around. It'll keep coming back around. It might let you off a stop, right? But if you stay at that stop, that bus is going to come back to you and say, hey, you want to get on? You want to go for a ride? And we got to say, no, I'm done with that. I'm through with you. So have perseverance. Have steadfastness. It's so important. And as we're doing stead, uh, moving forward in steadfastness or perseverance, again, like I said, I believe that's one of the areas where we're going to see so much personal growth where it's like, man, um, I remember for me, like I thought maybe I'll get rid of all the other drugs and alcohol, but I always thought in my mind that I'll always smoke weed. If I'm just honest with you guys, I thought like there's no way I'll ever get rid of this or I'm never going to stop it. Um, but then as I became 
um, devoted to Jesus. I came back to Jesus. I started getting serious and supplementing my faith with virtue and knowledge, self-control and perseverance. Um, all of a sudden, as I was persevering, again, I, I didn't think I could go a week, guys. I didn't think I could go a week um, without getting high, without at least smoking some weed, right? And then imagine how crazy it was, mind-blowing it was for me, a guy who'd smoked weed for every single day, multiple times a day for many, many years, right, to go a week. I'm like, oh my goodness, I just went a week. When's the last time I went a week without getting high? I don't even know, man. Back in like sophomore year, I don't know. In this time, point in time, I was 22 years old or something. Um, and so, and then I go a week and then the next thing you know, I go a month and I'm like, oh my goodness, like I went a month. I never thought this was possible. Surely I can't like go a year, right? Well, next thing you know, I go a year and this September, I believe it is, I'll celebrate 11 years sober um, from that, man, it's just amazing. I never thought that that would ever happen in my life, but man, through perseverance, through seeking God and his power, through him giving me the strength to say no. It's like he's helped me persevere to where all of a sudden I have this great just confidence where like God has brought me somewhere and he's He's literally broken the chains of some sins in my life and I've seen it and man, it's so encouraging. And guys, again, like don't just say no once. Anybody can just be like, no, I'm not gonna get drunk tonight. Nope, I'm not gonna get high tonight. No, I'm not gonna sleep around. No, I'm not gonna get angry. No, I'm not gonna go do this, that, or the other thing. But, and we can all say it once. What really shows change, what really lets God shine is if we let him help us persevere. That's when people are going to be like, I remember one of my best friends, sorry for all the stories, one of my best friends, he got out of the drug world before I did, um, and he gave his life to Jesus. He's over at our house one night, we're passing the blunt around getting high and stuff, and I said, hey, you want to hit this? He said, no, I gave my life to Jesus, I'm not doing that anymore. And I remember my my wicked heart, my evil heart, right? And I just thought to myself, I said, but you'll be back. Like, you're going to say no right now, and that's cool. I respect it. I believe in God too, right? I was the kind of guy who would be blasphemous because I was like, oh, I believe in Jesus. Look at all my tattoos about Jesus and God, and he's amazing. And I believed it too, but I'm also blaspheming his name at the very same second by getting drunk and high. Um, so I'm like, but you'll be back. But man, I see this guy persevere. Goes a week. He's still hanging out with us. Goes a week, doesn't get drunk or high. Goes two weeks, doesn't get drunk or high. Goes a month, goes a few months. Starts serving in church and he starts playing in the worship band, right? One of my best friends. And I'm thinking to myself like, dang, this dude is the real deal. God, and it wasn't like, oh man, he is so great and amazing, has so much self-control. I was like, dude, I know him and God has done a work. And there's no other explanation than that God has worked in his life. So perseverance is something that will strengthen you personally, but it will shine. It'll allow God to shine so bright to those around you where it's like, I know Nick. And now that he's changed so much, it's like the only explanation is that God has done something. So guys, let the, let perseverance have its perfect work in you. So he says to supplement knowledge with self-control. That's verse six. He says self-control with steadfastness. And he says steadfastness with godliness. And so this is where he starts to actually change like the inside, all of these things, um, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, um, all those things have to do with the self, like with you personally, your relationship with God. And so what, what I believe Peter is even saying is like, dude, you got to get yourself right with God before you're going to do anything right 
outside of you, right? So it's like start working on yourself first. And then what I believe he's saying is now supplement it with godliness. And this word is not like, oh my goodness, I'm so godly and amazing. And you should call me Pastor Nick now. No, you're like, that's ridiculous. Um, it's it's this, this reverent respect towards God Almighty. Like the one Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the one Father whose will was to send the Son to die on the cross for us, that the Holy Spirit would raise him to life again, that he's making a place in heaven for us, and that the Holy Spirit is available to us all on earth to empower us to live for him. And so um, what he's saying is like, as you are diving into knowledge, self-control, and perseverance, and you're gaining that confidence in the Lord, like you are going to start to gain this godliness, this respect, this reverence towards him. And isn't that so true? Like the more you know God, the more you, you revere him. What, I, what that really means is like you respect him. Like if you just, one of your, your, um, your all-time favorite, I don't, I don't know who it could be. Like if you like sports, your sports player guy, like all-time favorite, Michael Jordan comes in and starts to talk to you. Uh, maybe you like politics and your favorite politician comes in and you have this one-on-one -on -one thing. Maybe for me, it'd be like my favorite um, pastor that I like to, to listen to um, besides my own pastor. Like even when Robert Furrow wants to talk with me, it's just like, hey, all, all ears, anything you want to say, I'm listening. I would love to hear it. You know what I'm saying? And so like as you start to know God, you would treat him like that. Like I know him and he is so good and he has so much knowledge and he loves me, and has a plan for me and a purpose for me. And I wasn't just some mistake who happened by chance, but he wants to use me. And so you start to gain this reverence towards him to where it's like, man, wait, like God wants to speak to me. And you realize that this isn't just me gaining knowledge. This is me gaining a relationship. And so he's, he says that, he says, supplement steadfastness with godliness. And then he goes on and now it starts to make this outward change. He says, in godliness with brotherly affection. That's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, for those of you who might be joining us right now. It says, in supplement godliness, this reverence, this um, fear of God, we could even say, he says, with brotherly affection. And the word used there is the same word that we were talking about with Peter, is phileo. He says that you, you have this brotherly love, like best friends. You're like, yeah, you're my best friend. I'm, I love you so much. Anything you need, um, I'm there for you. But we all know at the same time, life happens, and sometimes you can't be there for each other. And, but he's like, you start, to, you start to develop that love, that brotherly affection, that phileo. Um, but then he goes on, so you supplement godliness with brotherly affection. And he says, in brotherly affection, which is phileo, with love, which in the last word he says is agape. See that? There's the trans, there's the, the um, progression, if you will. There's the, it's kind of like it's, it's going in order. And I don't know that Peter intended it that way, but you see it's like it all started with faith and then you add all these little supplements and then the end goal is love. And I love what Paul says, and you guys probably know it, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, that, uh, that we can have all kinds of gifts. We could have the gifts to move mountains and we could sing songs and we could, rate, we could give our body and everything over to, to be burnt, um, to give to God. But he says, without love, um, it's all nothing. It doesn't matter if you can speak in tongues or interpret tongues or do a bunch of miracles and signs. He says, if you do not have love, it's meaningless. And so if you see, even with Peter's uh, end goal here, he's like, supplement your faith so that you could have this love. 
so that you can have that love. And isn't it just so interesting that Peter is the one who wrote this because he was the one who said to Jesus, like, yes, I phileo you. Like, I can't even tell you to your face, Jesus, that I agape you right now. But it's like he realizes, like, that's the goal. Like, I love that, that he has that confidence now. It's like he probably didn't for a little bit. It took some time. It took some self-control and perseverance and gaining that godliness, reverence, respect back, and then a little bit of brotherly kindness, and then to finally be like, okay, I'm all in. That's the goal. So there's your supplements, right? Today's tent. Uh, talk is called supplemental. There's your supplements. Go back, read it, write it, review it, uh, underline it, highlight it. If you look at mine, man, I got all kinds of little squirrelies and uh, underlines. But um, I want to end this thing with the last few verses that he says, and it's verse eight. Peter says, for if these qualities are yours, or if these supplements are yours, he says, and are increasing, like you're working on it, doesn't mean you're perfect at it, guys. Kind of understand that, like, hey, I'm working on it. I'm reading a verse a day, uh, whereas I didn't read anything ever um, for a long time. Or maybe I'm I'm reading a chapter a day. I'm listening to one teaching a week. I'm going tuning into one church service online per week. Uh, I'm making hey, I'm making a uh, I'm strive forward, a step forward. He says, if these qualities are yours, are and are increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love that. It says, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. And isn't that what we want? We don't want to be unfruitful. We don't want to be ineffective. And so Jesus is writing through Peter here. And Peter's like, hey, if you want to be fruitful, if you want to have something to show when the master comes back, like put these qualities to work in your life. It's as simple as one, two, three. You add all these things together and you're going to get love. And love is the fulfillment of scripture, right? It's like he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And so he's just saying those things there. And so he's like, if that's increasing, you're going to do good. Yeah, you're going to trip and fall. and You're going to make some mistakes here and there. But he's like, you're going to be increasing and you're going to be fruitful. You're going to be effective um, and understand it might not be as effective or everything that you think. But again, as we're going to get into next week, um, talking about perspectives, um, we've got to have that perspective where it's like, this is everything God wants. And this is what he's doing right here. So he says it, it keeps you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Verse 9, he says, for whoever lacks these qualities, so whoever doesn't have them or whoever's not working on them, or maybe they're getting worse at them, right? Their self-control's going back down and their perseverance has just gone out the window. Um, they're not adding knowledge to their life. They're not trying to be brotherly love to each other or help out. They're not even trying, trying nothing, right? He says, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind. Check it out. Having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins, which implies to me when we're reading that, and we should understand and pick up, that he was cleansed from his former sins. Like he's talking about a Christian right now, a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ. So he's like, if you don't follow these things, these qualities in life, if you're not adding knowledge, self-control, perseverance, and all these things, and you don't see those things happening in your life, he's like, you're... You're actually becoming nearsighted. And, and if you ever know, it's like, you know, like nearsighted, you got to look at something like I can see it when it's good and near, but it's like you miss the whole other picture. It's like Satan likes to, this is a little tip, a little insight. If you haven't figured this out yet in life, guys, Satan likes to throw smoke and mirrors right here on, in the nearsighted field of sight. 
right? He'll throw in these things like, oh my goodness, my job's gone and I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, I don't have any money right now and I don't have this and I can't see my friends. I can't see my family. They can't come over here because of this, that, and the other reason, right? But then we forget what's past us, right? We Again, we lose the godly perspective of what's past us and God's like, hey, I got something better for you. I've cleansed you. I've called you because I'm doing something here. And so anyways, he's like, if you forget these things, you become so nearsighted that you're blind. You're like, oh my, this is all you see. There was one teaching one time that I saw with a, uh, what was it? Um, it, was, uh, it was with a, a fishing rod, right? So this, this pastor had this fishing rod and he had like a little gummy bear on it, right? And he's like, Satan's kind of like this. He likes to fish with this and stuff. So he's like, oh, you don't, you don't like gummy bears. And so he'll take the gummy bear off and the pastor takes it off and he puts a $100 bill on it, right? He's like, oh, this is probably what you like, right? And so he throws that back out and it's like, Satan's like that. And he starts to throw that right here in front of you. Like, oh, there's a $100 bill, guys. Oh, I can make some money. And so he, he distracts us. So all of a sudden, all of our focus um, is on the near side here and now. And we forget that we've been cleansed for an eternity, for an abundant life to be used in God's great uh, plan of redemption. And so I just thought that was a great illustration. Uh, is like he, he just tries new bait and he's just throwing it in that nearsighted field there. And so he says, be, whoever has lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. And this is his encouragement. This is where we'll leave off here tonight. He says, therefore, brothers, and I want to say sisters, anybody listening here tonight, therefore, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. I want to leave it there tonight. Now, again, the message title is supplemental. And I want to encourage you guys that these supplements that Peter lists aren't just some supplements that he's thrown out there um, hoping that they work. These are things that he has applied to his life. Again, this is a guy who denied the Lord um, on on the most important day of Jesus' life, we could say, right? When he needed him most. And now he has been restored to ministry after Jesus' resurrection. Um, he has give, been given the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And then he's done the amazing, right? Um, the day of Pentecost, he preaches and what, 5,000 or 3,000 people come to um, come to life, um, come to know the Lord, become Christians, right? What an altar call we're talking about there. Amazing. Um, so, so he's like, this isn't just some stuff that I'm making up and I think it'll do you some good. He's like, no, this is what I'm living. Like I got faith and we have the same faith. We have the same opportunities. What he's saying, he's like, and let's add some virtue, some moral excellence to it. Let's add some knowledge to know what that actually means. Um, in light of Jesus' word, let's add some self-control. Let's add some perseverance, some steadfastness, some godliness. Let's add some brotherly affection. And man, let's add some love. And he's not saying it because you necessarily have to, but he's saying but, but because you get to. Why wouldn't you try to be the strongest, most fruitful Christian, the most bright light in this dark situation, in this dark world that you can right now? And he's like, just make every effort. And so he says, um, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. And I love that. And I know it gets weird because people are like, oh, election, this is going to be interesting. And I'm not here to talk about the elect and what all that means. But what I'm saying is if you're struggling with like, am I called? Um, am I chosen by God? It's like, I believe that God died for the sins of the world, right? It's like actually Second Peter chapter um Three, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, 
but that all should reach repentance. So there's just another, that's just a little nugget right there, right? Like God wants everybody to be saved, every single man, woman, and child. And so, um, but if you're struggling with like, am I called? I don't know what I'm called to do. Um, what I would say is start practicing these qualities that your calling will be made evident. Um, as, as Peter says, you'll never fall. You're not going to stumble and be like, oh, what am I supposed to do with my life? Like for me, and just to give you an encouragement is like, for me, I didn't know that I was supposed to be a pastor. Um, what I did is I just started learning God's word. I loved God's word. I wanted to know more about it. So I went to Bible college um, on my own. There was no pastor deal on the table. If you take Bible classes that you'll become a pastor, it was just, I just wanted to know God. I wanted to know the background of culture and these types of things. I want to know um, some of the Greek words and the Hebrew and the Aramaic, and I wanted to know more. So I dive into that and like as I started to dive into it, man, I realized like I really love God's word for one. And man, I just I want to share it. And it wasn't even like I want to teach it so much like to everybody and be a pastor on a on a stage with a microphone. But it was just like I want to share it. And so I started a Bible study with some friends and we had 10 and I, 10 to 15 or so every single Monday for like three years. We had a Bible study at a Starbucks and I wasn't a pastor at all. It was just like, hey, I wanted to have a Bible study to help me and my friends get to know Jesus more. And it was just amazing. It's like as those things started to develop and I started to pour in, God started to reveal my calling a little bit more, a little bit clearer. And then one day, so I started to be a janitor at the church. That's how I got into it. I wanted to leave the, the restaurant job that I worked at because it was full of drugs and alcohol and just all kinds of things. And I was trying to get out of that because that was my life before. And I'm like, I don't need more temptation than I need. So I cut my hours down and I start working at the church part-time as the janitor, right? I'm mopping the floor. I'm taking out trash, vacuuming, all those kind of things. And I was loving it. And one day, it was like two, three years later into this job, um, the young adults pastor at my church, he comes over, stops me, and says, hey, can I talk to you? The interesting thing about this conversation is, that me and him have had conversations before, which led to me being um, removed from ministry twice, right? So I led worship for the college group um, for, for a while, and I also led worship in the main sanctuary playing the bass or the drums. And so that this conversation led to me being removed from ministry um, twice in, in two different instances. instances. So I knew that he knew me, right? I wasn't trying to hide anything. So anyways, he comes up to me, says, hey man, can I talk to you about something serious? And I'm like, great, what did I do? What did I do? Lay it on me, man. Um, and anyways, he says, no, it's not like that. And he says, um, well, I'm leaving in a year and I wanna go plant a church. And I'm like, awesome, that's so cool, man. I'm glad, I'm happy for you. And I really didn't know what else to say, right? What do you say to that? And uh, anyways, he's like, well, I'm going and I want you to take over the college group. And I'm just, I was mind blown. Like, I was like, me, for real, me. Like, I, I can't tell you how mind blown I was. But what I want to say to that is that that was God revealing my calling in my life through my pursuit of those um through those supplements, if you will, through those virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. And it's like, as I pursued those things to supplement my faith, God started to reveal his plan and his calling in my life. And now here we are, we fast forward six years later, um, after I took over the young adult ministry, here I am in Texas um, with my wife and two kids, and we got a team with us. Team, say what's up, give me some 
some high fives, some uh, thumbs up, make a little hoot and holler so that everybody can see you. Um, but we're out here planting a church so that people may know Jesus because it's just another step in what God's revealing to me as my calling, my election, right? And so I just want to encourage you guys that like, if you don't know what you're here for, start to push into God's word. Start to know the one who created you, the one that knows you better than anyone else. Like if you want to know your, your purpose in life, you need to know your father. He's going to tell you who you are. I was thinking of this the other day um, out on our um, back porch right here. We have a little cement pad. And I have a, a three and a half year old, almost four year old son. Uh, his name is Lucas. Um, he knows verbally his name is Lucas, right? But he didn't, doesn't quite know, or at least he didn't know how to write his name. Well, my wife has been working with him a lot on his letters um, and I've been trying to help him too and trying to help him write and he'll write something that knows the L-U-C. Um, but anyways, he didn't know the A and the S, but we've been working on those things. But the, what I love about this, what I was thinking about it the other day is I was looking at his artwork on the ground is like without a father or a mother in his life to guide him and, and to tell him uh, L. You and this is how you make a C, this is how you make an A, this is how you make an S. Without him having me or my wife to tell him who he is, he's not going to know what his name looks like. And that's just a simple little thing, guys. It's silly even, right? But it's the same way with God. It's like if we don't have God in our life, like God knows who you are. And he's trying to just sit back, but he's also trying to tell you, like, hey, your name is Nick and I love you. And I died for you on the cross. And I have given you my Holy Spirit so that you can go and that you can preach and teach so that people may know me. And man, it's just like that's what God wants to do with you guys. God wants to just gently guide you. And so like if you're struggling with your calling and election, what am I here for in life? Dive into scripture. Dive into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I believe he's going to start to spell out your name. Like, Who am I? Well, you're Nick. Well, you're so-and-so. And you're my loved one. You're the one I died for. You're the one who I'm calling, who I'm, I'm equipping. And so I just want to encourage you guys with that. And so um, supplemental, guys, Second Peter chapter 1. If you guys are just tuning in and you missed um, the study tonight, I want to encourage you guys to either go back, watch the rest of this video again as we post it, or find our podcast. But supplement, man, like supplement your faith. Not necessarily because you have to, but because you have this great opportunity to do it. And why wouldn't we want to give, give it our best shot for our king, right? He says, make every effort, man. May that be our attitude to make every effort to strengthen our faith and to love others so that people may know Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. It is good. It is exciting, God. And I pray that you would stir a fire, a fervent flame within every single person listening to this teaching right now live or every person listening to this teaching after it posts on Facebook or on the podcast later, God, and that you would spark a fire that would burn into flame and that people would just see it, God, that it would, it would cause people to look and stare at us and just wonder what is different about them and that they would see in our lives, God, that we have faith, that they would see that we have virtue, that we have knowledge, and that we care about learning more, God, about you. 
God, that we care about adding self-control to our life, that we wouldn't just know things, but that we would actually live them out, and that we wouldn't just do it once, but that we would have perseverance, and that we would press on so that people would see us run our race, and that they would be encouraged, God. And I pray that as we do those things, God, that we would gain a, a deeper fear of you, a deeper reverence for you, knowing that you are our creator, God, and that we wouldn't be just so quick to think and do, but we would just sit in awe of you, God, and that we would just have that reverence, God, and that as we have that reverence, God, that you would give us a brotherly affection for one another, for our friends, our family members, our co-workers, God, and that you would ultimately, God, give us that agape love, that unconditional servant servant love for one another, for you. And uh, God, we just love you. We thank you for this, Lord. And um, we pray this in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen.